1: You're listening to Locked On College Football Kickoff Live with myself, Drake Toll of Locked On Big 12, Kenton Gibbs of Locked On ACC, and Alex Dono of Locked On Canes. Live every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern time, wherever you get your Locked On favorites on YouTube. Let's take a look around the country in college football. Welcome into College Football Kickoff Live. Thank you for making College Football Kickoff Live your lunchtime listen every single Friday. Two bald guys and a blonde. That is Kenton Gibbs from Locked On ACC and Locked On Wolfpack. Alex Dono of Locked On Canes. Drake Toll with you from Locked On Big 12. And guys, some massive matchups are on the way. Michigan at Penn State on Saturday. You've got in the SEC, as it always is, some knockdown dragouts. My favorite, though, has to be Ole Miss at Georgia. Let's bring in Stephen Willis of Locked On Ole Miss to help us break down our game of the week. Steven Willis of Locked On Ole Miss. here with us on Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. It is a top 10 matchup, this game being played at 6 p.m., a night game in Athens. Steven, if the Rebels are going to win it, how are they going to do it? How are they going to do it? I mean, there's a, been a whole bunch of teams that have asked that question
2: over the last five years, <laughs> and I think the situation is you need players on offense that can make plays against that defense, and that defense isn't exactly as good as what George's defense oh. normally is. But don't get anything wrong. They are still good. But Jackson Dart and Trey Harris, who was not available for the Alabama game, can stretch that defense downhill, downfield. Quinshawn Judkins can force that. um, Cody Schrader from Missouri went over 100 Mm -hmm. yards last week. So you have the offensive firepower to be able to affect that defense. Now, Georgia their middle linebacker and their quarterback of their defense got injured against Missouri. So they're going to be breaking in a new guy. Ole Miss goes as fast as anybody in the conference. And they honestly on offense, they can rely on bust and they scheme things up to where they're busting the coverage. So if you do not have a quarterback lining yourself up, that is going to make those busts more possible. And also this Georgia front seven probably isn't as good as what it was. Jalen Carter and um, Jordan Davis is not walking through that door for the Georgia Bulldogs. So they're alternating like a run defensive end and a pass defensive end, and the tempo can kind of take that away. And honestly, other than quoting Miracle and doing all sorts of good luck charms,
3: that's about all I've got, guys. So let me ask you this. You know, in terms of this game, everybody talks about Georgia and what their weaknesses are and how you look to combat those. But let me ask you this. How does Ole Miss hold up against the strengths Of Georgia, how do they hold up against an offense that people keep saying, "Oh, they're not really that good," and then boom, fifty-piece with the extra sauces on the side for free, and you know they like to extend you with the sauces. So, how do you look at this Georgia team and say, "Hey, we will not only be able to exploit their weaknesses, but we'll be able to stand up to their strengths as well"? If you're Ole Miss. Um, this is the game that Pete
2: Golding was hired for, honestly, everybody pointed to the Alabama game, but this, this is the game that Pete Golding was brought in and Lane Kiffin is very familiar with what Kirby smart likes to do both offensively and defensively. They sat in coaching room. So as far as being prepared and game plan wise, what to do, I think Ole Miss is going to be in a good spot to be in the right position. Now you are right. This is going to be the best offensive line that Ole Miss has faced this year. You're going to have a situation where Carson Beck is basically back there playing seven on seven at times, playing quarterback. You have to figure out a way to get pressure on Carson Beck. You have to get him to drop his eyes and get his eyes off of downfield and get him off of his spot. I think that's the best chance you've got. Georgia's converting third downs at about 55% on offense, which is good enough for fourth nationally. Their defense – they're giving up third down conversions at 26%, which is good enough for three nationally. So it doesn't take a rocket science to know that whether you can stay on the field and whether
0: you can get off the field is likely going to determine this football game. Talk to me a little bit more, Stephen, about Quinshawn Judkins, because I think he's got to be one of the keys to victory here for Ole Miss. Five touchdown runs in his last two games. Uh, He's hitting hitting his hottest point at the season, hopefully at the right time. Uh, How do you see him matching up against Georgia and how crucial is he going to be?
2: I, I honestly, I think when the best running back in the SEC now, Cody Schrader did have some success against Georgia, but that that's kind of an aberration against that defense um, 120 yards is not the expectation no matter who they're playing against occasionally teams go off even to go back go back to when Kirby was at Alabama. Generally, 65 to 85 yards, if you're in that range as a as a top-tier running back, you've done enough to affect the linebackers to allow you to create shots in the passing game. I mean, it's the same formula to beat Georgia as it would have been the same formula to beat Alabama in 2013. It, it's the same thing. You need a mobile quarterback, you need shots downfield, and you need to be able to stick with the running game. It won't necessarily always be effective. You might see a stat line from Quinn Shons that's, 20 carries and 85 yards and a touchdown. But yeah. Quinshawn had a monumental job with this Georgia defense. And if Ole Miss can do that, I think they'll be in pretty good shape.
1: Steven, as you look at the SEC West, the way this will shake out for the Rebels, the the SEC championship's in God's hands now. That, that's Alabama. They're likely not going to lose the rest of the way. What is the, what is the overall goal then for this Ole Miss team? Honestly, um, my prediction, and I t- I've been preparing
2: people on my show, that um, 2014 TCU, that's probably about to be in the cards for Ole Miss. But I think Ole Miss's path is they beat Georgia. Georgia beats Alabama and eliminates them, so they don't become a question anymore. And you hope to slide into that four slot. You hope for chaos. You hope that the NCA comes down on Michigan. You hope that Ohio State – loses to Michigan, you hope that Oregon beats Washington, those games, and you don't need Texas to win the Big 12. And you're just hoping that you have enough to get to that fourth spot because what I think is going to happen, and I'm not going to go out and say they're corrupt or anything like that, but after the game, Ole Miss is going to go up, and going after that Mississippi State game, whenever that poll comes out, Ole Miss is going to be sitting there at fourth, and then after the championship games, Ole Miss is going to slide down to fifth or sixth.
1: So you're saying there's still college football playoff conversation in Oxford as we speak without the SEC championship really on the table.
2: Yes. The conversation is there. We are, we are not dumb. We know that it's a long shot. <laughs> but, but it's not like a, so you're telling me it's a chance long shot, but it is mm-hmm. a long shot. Uh, but you're still playing meaningful, meaningful football games in yeah. November. And honestly, this is what I've been telling people that have been listening to my show. This Ole Miss-Georgia game, game day being at the game, they don't go to games in November that don't mean anything. And you're going to win one of these eventually, and it's important to keep getting into them. It's what Clemson did before they broke through in the mid-2000s or whenever, that they kept getting the opportunity and was Clemsoning. Everybody knows about Clemsoning. And then all of a sudden, Clemson got through, and they hit that next level. One of these games – as long as Ole Miss keeps going down this road and getting this opportunity, Ole Miss is going to kick the door down. Yeah. And if they do that, they have a chance to, with the brand and everything going on with Lane Kiffin, they they have a chance to have a pretty cool brand moving forward in college football.
1: Yeah, coming up, guys, let's do a little sell me why. Stephen Willis of Locked On Ole Miss. Thank you for our game of the week and joining College Football Kickoff Live. Guys, it's time to, time to jump into my favorite segment this week. Oh, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try Do it. Do it. Give it to us. We need sell it. Sell me why. Uh, some things never broken. Some things are never broken. The Kentucky Wildcats play host to 8-1 and one, Alabama. The Crimson Tide come in hot. The Cats are 105 point underdogs in that one. Here's Lance Dahl of Locked On Kentucky to sell us why. Kentucky can cover. Kentucky
4: football takes on the Alabama Crimson tie tomorrow at 11 a.m. It could be a very
0: difficult matchup for the Wildcats, but a reason they may cover that 11-point spread is the way Liam Cohen likes to run. His offense As of right now, Kentucky is one of the slowest teams in the entire country. Maybe slowing the pace down and allowing running back Ray Davis to take over on the offensive side of the ball will limit possessions for the Crimson Tide and give more to Kentucky. Another reason why the Wildcats may make this one competitive and stay underneath that 11-point spread is their turnovers. Right now, they are one of the best defenses in the SEC when it comes to creating takeaways as opposed to a season ago. Maybe Jalen Milrow forces a couple of errors early in this one and it allows UK to keep this one competitive.
1: Yeah, never drink downstream and never bet against the Alabama Crimson Tide on a 10-point spread. That's where this one's landed at FanDuel. And God, I, Dono, I, I just, I can't, I don't think I can go against the Crimson Tide who has been so, so good lately. So I love Lance. He does a
0: fantastic job, but this was one of those sell me want, let's, wise. Let's work. say it
1: right here. I'm glad you no. open with that. We know exactly it's where you're going. It's like I, you know, I do love him. He's great at his job. Sandwich this, method.
0: Sandwich method. Yeah. This, That's what
3: we're doing. This is yeah. one of those
0: sell me wise where I can't tell if he's trying to convince us or convince himself. Like uh-uh. they, these are the reasons why they may cover that spread. Yeah, they're not covering that spread. The Tide have hit their stride. Like this is vintage. November Saban, mm-hmm. Milrow, that defense, all of it, guys. Um, I, the double-digit spread is is not scaring me from the Alabama side on this one. They're going to win and cover comfortably.
1: Yeah, I can't. Not, I I feel like Alabama with Milrow has found its footing now. All the questions from that Texas game have really been put to rest. The Tennessee yeah. game was a big part of that, and since that Tennessee game, the tide have rolled again against LSU. I'm all over Nick Saban. So here's the thing about this uh, Kentucky team for me. Their last three games
3: against SEC teams with winning conference records, only one of them, they've all been losses, and only one of them has been a, a single-digit loss. I mean, with all due respect, you lost to Georgia by 38. You lost to Missouri by 17. Mm. Ten points for Bama, that's fine. They'll cover. thats uh, I'd love to say, you know, I love Sweet Baby Ray. I'd love to say that Devin Leary delivers. I'd love to say I can't. I can't in good conscience tell these folks to put their money down because I don't want anybody coming after me. Say, Getting you sold us why?" and now I got to sell my house because they outside with them mm-hmm. SRTs talking about they just want to talk. You should have <laughs> went to FanDuel anyway because they wouldn't be outside the house like that. But you know, I can't do it. I can't do it.
1: Now, I am. Uh, we're all going Alabama, it seems, unsold on the very first Sell Me Why of the week. Let's go into another high-octane matchup. The USC Trojans headed to Eugene, Oregon, to face the 8-1 and one Oregon Ducks. The Ducks are 15-and-a-half-point favorites. Here's Spencer McLaughlin to sell us why the Ducks can cover that spread.
5: Oregon favored by 14 and a half points against USC at home inside Autzen Stadium this week. Can they cover that number? Yeah, they're very capable of doing so. Spencer McLaughlin here of the Locked on Ducks podcast. USC's defense doesn't have Alex Grinch as its defensive coordinator. That doesn't change all of the underlying issues that they've had. It's possible they play a little bit better, inspired with better play calling than they've had with Alex Grinch at the helm. But they're not going to suddenly become a unit that can be the first team this year to hold Oregon under 30 points. This offense is rolling, number one scoring offense in all of college football. Bo Nix is making great decisions. Oregon runs the football very well. And Washington, a subpar running team, was able to go for over 300 yards on the ground on the road against USC last week. Bucky Irving and Jordan James are both averaging at least seven yards per carry this season. The Trojans defense is going to have a difficult time stopping this Oregon offense. Even if they find a way to load the box and slow up the ground game, Bonex is going to be able to throw the football as he has all season long. USC's defensive struggles are why they could struggle to cover 14
1: and a half points. Dono, as we break down the performance of our hosts coming into the sell me wise, that's one of the best ones that I think I've heard in that Spencer gave actual numbers, real numbers from the ground game. This wasn't a, hey, I'm trying to sell myself. It was statistically, analytically, the edge is with Oregon. It's just a matter of if that edge is worth 15 and a half points.
0: Yeah, he he sold me that Oregon can and and very likely will cover that big number. I'm staying away from this for a simple yeah. reason. Mid-week, mid-season, coaching changes, coordinators, head coaches, that just – you don't always know the way a team's going to respond from that, okay? Now, for one thing, we know USC can score. They did it against Washington, and, and Oregon, I think, uh, obviously – it, it washington has a head-to-head over oregon but oregon excellent team excellent defense usc can score on just about anybody and you know they didn't leave mr grinch around long enough to steal christmas they got rid of him uh when your defensive coordinator gets fired that that, that's an embarrassing thing for players they respond typically uh with the fire you know litting under their behinds with that sort of a situation so i'm i'm staying away from it I, i think the number's 14 and a half now uh, so it's it's even come down just a little bit. But I'm just going to sit this one out and enjoy the game because I think a lot of points are going to get scored.
1: Yeah, Kenton, the players walked in on Monday and Alex Grinch was not there. A, a coaching change in the middle of a season as somebody who played the game at the collegiate level does that. You, you've seen it a few times nationally. Does it give a team an edge? These players, do they play with a different fervor?
3: Absolutely, but I'll also say this. It's not a guarantee. This okay. thing is a big boom or bust potential type of thing. It's rare that you see a coach get fired and they're the same defense. Either they turn it up a notch or they regress a notch, which for this USC defense, I don't know how you can. I, with all due respect, I don't know how you can regress from what they've been. But this line is insane. Yeah. What are we doing here? Yeah. What do we do? This is a, a actual fact about USC. They have scored 50 in more conference games than they've been held to 30. That is an actual thing. And by 30, I mean 30, anywhere 30 to 39. That this team, Caleb Williams, say what you want about it. You could say he cries too much. You could say he paints his nails. We don't like it. You could say the rumors about him wanting part ownership and all that. I believe it. I buy it, even though it's from a random blue check that knows nothing about nothing. You can say every bad thing in the world about Caleb Williams. But you know what you can't say about the young man? That he doesn't throw touchdowns. That he doesn't throw dots, that he's not a magician when things break down, that he's not going to lead this offense to at least, and I mean at least 35 points. With that being said, I'm not buying this line at all. Not doing it.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think if USC scores 35, Oregon scores 55. I am, um, yeah. I'm going to dissent from you guys. One of the reasons why night game, Ottson Stadium, and you've seen not just Caleb Williams cry, but three straight weeks of of that same broken emotion. It's not the. It doesn't remind me of the postseason. You know, emotional. This is more of oh no, we need help. We need a fix. This isn't trending the direction Caleb Williams wanted it to go in his last season at USC. So for me, in what last week felt like a make or break game for the Trojans, where they were in it up until the very end. That spirit, from what I saw, is broken. So, a 9.30 game at Autsen is not going to help. I'll go ahead and put it down. I'll take. I'm sold. Spencer McLaughlin sold me with the ground game as well. I'll take Oregon minus 15 and a half this week. Now, another one top 15 matchup here Tennessee Volunteers, Missouri Tigers. Tigers are one and a half point favorites. Mizzou guys, Eli Drinkwitz, Kenton, that's your guy. They are the favorites as the line has been moving in their favor. Here's John Miller of Locked On Mizzou to sell us why the Tigers will cover that spread.
6: I think it's quite possible Tennessee has the advantage in the running game on both sides of the ball against Missouri, but I think the Tigers will win the day with the passing game. I'm John Miller with the Locked On Mizzou podcast, here to sell you on the Tigers beating the Volunteers on Saturday. And quite simply, I think the Tigers' pass defense is going to be enough with their strong corners and ability to bring extra guys in pressure. I think they'll be able to rattle Joe Milton just enough to seize the, seize the day also offensively. I believe that the Tigers, Brady Cook and Luther Burden will be able to take advantage of the volunteers less than stellar secondary. So that's my take on Missouri winning a slight upset over Tennessee on Saturday. Check out all my work, lockedonmazoo.com, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts.
1: Kenton, you love Eli Drinkwitz. You go first.
3: I'm absolutely so. I don't, I'm i sorry to tell you, but, I mean, Tennessee and Joe Milton have struggled multiple times this year offensively and all that, but even beyond their offensive struggles. The reality is a defense can only hold up but for so long. Yeah. We know that their strength con- kind of counteracts Mizzou's strength and that their pass rush is ferocious. It's tenacious. They're big. They're fast. They're physical. By the way, did I tell you they're big? Yes, I did. So the the reality is they can do certain things well, and I think that they can do enough to keep this game close. But a one and a half point line, I mean, I, I feel comfortable with that for Mizzou. I, I think that they win this game by about a field goal. And that's that's where this thing sits for me.
1: Dotto, transitive property does not work in college football, but it's something that I at least look at. You see a Tennessee game earlier this, a Tennessee and Kentucky game earlier this season where the Vols really struggled on the road. Missouri had no issue walking into Lexington, winning that game by three scores. To me, uh, when you take the similar matchup balances, I just don't see a way in which a Missouri team that has been more talented on the field and is playing at home, loses this game against a Vols team that's been so inconsistent.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- this is basically a pick em in terms of the betting odds when you're, you're talking about 1.53 is usually the magic number for me where I really have to think. In this case, um, I, I think the better team is at home. Being yeah. at home, it's going to help out the better team. I'm going with Mizzou. Like, I guess what they would have to watch out for here, and I think they are equipped, of course, to get a comeback if they need it, but can you limit Tennessee in the first quarter? Because can- Tennessee's superpower this year – has been outscoring opponents 89-29 to 29 in the first quarters this year. So that, that that's another path to victory for Mizzou. Slow them down, keep the game tied in the first quarter, have a slight lead. You should be able to roll the rest of the way. I don't think they're going to win by much, but maybe a three- to seven-point win in Mizzou's favor is the way I go here.
1: Kenton, I'm a firm believer that – any sort of morale boost or, or moral victory doesn't exist in November. By this point of the season, we're not learning who we are as a team and trying to secure moral victories. you got to win it on the field, and Missouri didn't do that against Georgia. But I'll give them the benefit of the doubt here. They played the number one team in the country, number two, I guess, to a tight one, 30-21. to 21. Is there momentum for at least a program like Missouri, who's not usually at the forefront of college football, to be taken from that game into the matchup with Tennessee?
3: I mean, I think the big thing for Mizzou is the fact that not only were they close in that game, but they've won other big games this year. They yeah. went into that Kentucky game. Who believed in them? Who said, hey, this is a Missouri team that not only will they win outright, they you will did. dominate. That was you. you know? I mean, hey, I, don't I remember know. that. No, but But very seriously, I was on a very lonely island there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and yeah. you look at this. Missouri team, and they've shown up and shown out time and time again to play better than what people expect from them. You look at them against the Kansas in Kansas State earlier this year, they're no longer at the point of moral victory, but they had enough actual victories to have some confidence, to have some pride about themselves. You know when you're on that street where every everything you do just goes right, you're doing great at work, everything at home is going great, every meal that you make tastes amazing, every woman that you look at is all of a sudden wanting to throw this as a You know that street. That's what Missouri is feeling. Even if you got a little flat in your tire, you're still on that high that game to me was a flattened attire they got that thing changed and they'll keep it rolling here
1: well guys we've got hot seats we've got nittany lions we've got all kind of stuff coming up over the course of the rest of the show including our best bets and picks for this week's college football slate but first let's pitch it to dono
0: guys whether you're on extended travel Bracing for a major weather event or limited by another supply chain shortage? You're covered, my friend. Thanks to our partners at Jace Medical, life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications can be ordered in a one-year supply. Even ED generics for Cialis, Viagra, Revatio prescriptions. Go online right now at JaceMedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use promo code On. All one word, locked on at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace. I'm thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year's supply. I also ordered the antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone. If you or someone you love would get some peace of mind by having a year's supply of any daily med." Go to jacemedical.com. That's J A S E medical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use promo code LOCKED ON for $20 off your purchase.
1: It's boom or bust time. Kenton Gibbs, I, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I have both a boom and a bust this week. I'm feeling hot in this segment, but to level myself, Kenton, let's start with you. Do you go boom? Do you go bust? Do you go both? What do you feel?
3: I'm going to start off with bust, and I'm going to start off with all the other Big Ten teams not named Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State. All of you should be ashamed of yourselves, each and every one of you. Whatever talk you all needed to have, you needed to have it with Michigan in the room. And now, after ducking your tails and saying, Oh, hey, um, we'd like to have a call, but uh, Jim, can you uh, hop off the call so we can speak freely? You're grown men, all of you, are making seven figures. Plus, you can't look another man in the eye and say, you cheated us. You cheated us, and you deserve to be gone. Cowardly. Cowardice at its highest order. And then I want to throw a little bit of us on the uh, Big Ten conference in and of itself in terms right. of their handling of this situation, but I'm mainly looking at those teams because I don't believe that Ryan Dare, or James Franklin would be in that group. But if they are in that group as well, that were like, hey, uh, Jim, could you leave, please? So we could talk about you uh, very politely. Then they belong there, too. But the reality is very much so bust for that group. Terrible.
1: Dono, Kenton just had 14 busts, by the way. Uh, Good luck topping that. Well, I'll
0: give you a boom first and then a bust. And I'm actually going to stay in Kenton's wheelhouse in the ACC for both of these. I give a boom to Clemson. A lot, and I know we've said a, a lot of nasty and a lot of deserved, you know, Tyler. not so nice things about Dabo Sweeney. Don-o. The thing is, man, Dabo, he coached with his hair on fire last week and they upset Notre Dame. Like, yeah. you know, they they looked like they were in a spiral, the Clemson Tigers. They they can had we, their season performance of the season.
1: A little bit of credit to Tyler. I mean, if that call doesn't happen, Dabo didn't yeah. have the emotional moment where he's on the ground post game crying. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, a lot of credit to that phone call for giving Clemson the win this week.
0: Yeah. T- Tyler Bartonburg from Spartanburg. Mus- yeah. Spartanburg up a thousand. <laughs> yeah. You know what? He should be the boom, not Dabo. Tyler yes, for exactly. Tyler. You got Tyler. the boom, baby. He's the boom. But I wanted to point that out because I, I've been very critical of Clemson and Dabo all year. That was impressive. Uh, my bust goes to the team that I cover. Now, mm-hmm. I want to I want to congratulate Kenton Gibbs' uh, North Carolina State Wolfpack because you know they had to win the game for Miami to lose it and they earned it. But at the same time, when you lose a game with a starting quarterback who literally can no longer throw like it's the the, the fall from grace for Tyler Van Dyke who's completely lost his confidence and completely lost the plot yeah and you know everyone's wanting Miami's got Florida State this week and they're two touchdown underdogs and everybody's wondering is there gonna be a quarterback change should there be a quarterback change because your backup is a true freshman but Tyler Van Dyke guys in his last four starts the Miami starting quarterback has thrown 10 interceptions in his last four starts. He's thrown 11 INTs on the season, which is the most of any power five quarterback. Um, it, and not all the blame, most of the blame, but not all the blame goes to him. Cause I think Miami's offensive coordinator can do a much better job. He's also the quarterback's coach. Shannon Dawson can prepare him better for these situations can try to scheme around these issues a little bit, but you know, Miami puts up six points against NC State last week. That was that was a massive bust for me.
1: Yeah, guys, I told you I'm excited for the segment today because I'm going to start in the Big 12 where I camp out. Oklahoma, what a bust. You go on the road against Oklahoma State team that cannot throw the ball. They're handicapped throwing the ball with Alan Bowman, who's 27 years old and was a coach at Michigan for two years. And now You know what Oklahoma State's going to do. You still find a way to lose 27-24. The the eternal scoreboard. Look, Oklahoma's won 91 matchups to Oklahoma State's 20 over the course of that rivalry. And the eternal scoreboard says Cowboys. That's a bust for Oklahoma this week. I'm going to give another bust to a guy named Colin Klein, You all remember he was a Heisman candidate at Kansas State, and now he's their offensive coordinator, and he's not very good at his job when it matters the most. Against Texas, an opportunity to win. He says, you know what? Let's spread it out with our quarterback, and everybody and God's going to know that we're just going to run it up the middle. That's exactly what they did. Texas sniffed it out. They brought down Will Howard, and after a missed field goal, Kansas State had another opportunity to score. And Colin Klein said, you know what I think we should do? Let's put one wide receiver in the end zone on a pass play and just hope it works. That's right. One wide receiver, four defenders, and it didn't work. Will Howard was brought down in Kansas State. Loses to Texas because of two crunch time, poor play calls. Colin Klein, you're a bust. How about Notre Dame? I got some fervor, some passion this week. Notre Dame, you're a bust. Dude, you came into the season saying the same damn thing you say every year. Oh, this is our year. We got Sam Hartman. This is a different Notre Dame team. We're going to go after the Ohio State game. Oh, that's just a fluke. We should have won the game. Oh, we had 10 guys in the field. We'll fix it next week. You didn't fix anything. Anything. You've been a disappointment as you usually are. You lose the big games. You try to prove to college football that it wasn't like that anymore. And under a new head coach, you're going to be different. You're going to be able to win the big one, and you just can't seven and three with Sam Hartman and this team to me it's the best team Notre Dame has had maybe in five or six years it's the best team Notre Dame's had since they were I mean they've been on the doorstep of the college football playoff and they they just can't win the games that matter they haven't been able to do it for decades why should I? why should I ever trust Notre Dame I I, sh- I shan't I shan't can t- uh- give, give it to me
0: They they ruined
3: Kenton's prediction. I feel terrible for Kenton, his preseason prediction. It's up in flames. Listen, I'm I'm okay with that because you know what? I I live with that because there is a worse bust than anybody has named yet. There is one, a bust above all bust, a bust that is so disgusting. This man is going to get ran out of one of the worst states in America, Scott Satterfield. Come on down, brother. Come on down.
1: Yep. Not only. picking on first-year head coaches in the Big 12. What are we not doing? Only, not
3: only has Scott Satterfield been what? terrible for Cincinnati, but talk about first-year head coaches. Hey, Dono, who's his replacement? Who's who's his replacement down in Louisville? Oh, is that, oh Brom. is uh, Brom uh, doing Brom. an awesome
0: job. Now, yeah.
3: now, wait a minute now. He could barely get that team to seven, eight wins. And Jeff yeah. Brom, I believe, I yeah. believe he just all, in, all but clinched the ACC championship game. Well, Statistically, yeah. I one. believe yeah. UNC one. has a shot still technically, but yeah. I, I don't see um, Louisville losing to Miami and UNC winning out. I just don't see that happening. So uh, for all intents and purposes, not only are you the problem at your new place, we also found out that you were the toxic one at your uh, own place. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't believe <laughs> i locked on ACC. i was fired, fired up. That was I love disappointing. it. And all I'll right. tell you what, this Howard Snellenberger Bowl, Louisville needs to go out there and put the brakes on Miami <laughs> because I can finally say, Scott, it was you. You're the problem. You're the bad guy. Get the Swifties on the line. Play anti-hero for him because he's disgusting.
0: If, if, if Miami can find a quarterback who can go a game without throwing an interception, that could be a <laughs> tough one. I'm just saying, if they can find one of their three quarterbacks who – can go through a game without an interception, they can give him a game, but yeah. Scott's in those counts one right one. now
1: going, Me, what are they Why are they talking <laughs> of the Cincinnati head coach in year one? He's our bust this week. Yeah, I love how it. he's, he's probably he's
0: probably tuning in to just in case we have any breaking news like yeah. on Michigan, and he's like,
1: Ah, he's I'm catching strays here. Me? They're talking about yeah. me. He thought he could avoid it, you cannot. Uh, to end on a positive note, before we get into our second game of the week, college football playoff contender still. Bob Possibly could be U Penn State. Before we get into that, I do want to end on a positive note with Arizona. Oh, Jed Fish, man. Four yeah. and two in the Pac-12. They didn't just beat UCLA. They pounded UCLA. They've gotten a six and three. They are now bowl eligible. They have had, I don't want to say a gauntlet of a season. That's, that's weird to say in the Pac-12. But that conference has been so improved that it's even more impressive what Arizona has done this year. I think their trajectory going into the Big 12 is they'll finish on the top half of a 16-team conference next year, which says a lot about a school that was the doormat of the Pac-12 for a long time. A wild turnaround for Jet Fish and Company. They are on their way up in a, at a rocket's pace. But, guys, it's that time. Here we go. Zach Seiko, locked on Nittany Lions. They've got a big game this week. Let's talk about it. Zach Saco joining us of Locked On, Nittany Lions. Zach, coming up this week against the Sign Steelers. What are the odds? What are the odds that Penn State pulls it off?
4: I mean, the bookmakers don't really think it's that far off. The official sports book of Locked On has them as a five and a half point underdog. So it's not like, it, which doesn't make any sense to me why everyone makes this situation out to be that Michigan is overwhelmingly better that Penn State is still not a look they're not a top four team at this point they can definitely vault themselves back into the conversation but we found out what Penn State's offense actually is it's it's average it's mediocre this year yes there's a lot of talent at quarterback but Drew Aller still only a first year starter but they also went up against the Buckeyes defense that unlike USC figured out its problems Jim Knowles is a good defensive coordinator Alex Grinch is obviously, well, unemployed for Penn State. They lost to the number one team in the country by eight points on the road in Drew Allers' first big game, a true big game environment. Illinois was never going to prepare him for that. Northwestern was going to never prepare him for that. It was also a homecoming. Allers from the state of Ohio. The entire state of Ohio was watching, family and friends. So now when you think back to it, that was not an ideal situation for that Penn State team in general. They got a reality check, a much needed one by a good, a a great team, a college football playoff contender that humbles them to be a little more business like going back home to Beaver Stadium against Michigan.
3: Now, I want to say this, Seiko, because last time you sold me, I was with you. I was there and they let me down (laughs) They let me down. That offense let me down a little bit. But now mm-hmm. coming back, and we're talking about a Michigan team that has not allowed more than 13 points all season. And granted, granted, they have not seen an offense with the talent mm-hmm. that Penn State has. But what is it that's telling you, hey, not only can we put up more than 13, but we can also do enough to stop Michigan and, and that juggernaut that they've been, sign stealing, or you know, whether it's natural, it doesn't matter. That's what they've been. What is telling you, hey, we can honestly get this one done?
4: I mean, it's not about the offense. Yes, the offense needs to do its job, but that's what the identity of this Penn State team is. Like a Michigan, like an Ohio State this year, because this is not this uh, your C.J. Stroud, your Justin Fields type of offenses. Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State have resolved to this identity of, hey, let's play some elite defense, not turn the football over, because Penn State's been really good at that. One interception, one fumble. Drew Aller's got a 20 touchdown to one interception ratio In his first year of starting, now Penn State doesn't exactly have a cupcake schedule like a Michigan does, but they played West Virginia, they did play Ohio State, and Penn State and Penn State put up a fifty bomb against a Maryland team that we thought was better. Okay, I still think the Terrapins are fairly respectable. They did that on the they did that on the road. It's about the defense. It's not about the offense. The offense just needs to play a a clean uh, game of football, be able to convert on third down. Penn State also didn't have all of its guys available in that game, which restricted some offensive play calling this time. They do they're in Beaver stadium. So it's more about the defense. You have the number one and the number two defenses analytically in this game. So it's not on drew Aller necessarily. Penn state's getting Chop Robinson back. Penn state's getting a mean Vanover back. Those guys were missed for a majority of the game against Ohio state. Can you predict if they're going to be fully available in this one because of circumstances, right? They were hurt on fluke plays. Maybe not here, but you do anticipate that they're going to play a full four quarters against a Michigan offense that last year was holding. It was running for six and a half yards per carry, now down to four and a half. And may I remind you, that schedule that they played, why are they averaging four and a half yards per carry against that schedule? That's interesting that they're down a whole two yards from a year ago. And everything, Zach, you're saying about the schedule, it's why, like,
0: for me, I can't wait to kind of really find out who Michigan is in this game because you can only play the teams that are on your schedule and, you know, they've been merciless covering those fan duel spreads left and right, but they, they haven't played anybody ranked until now. Okay. So I'm, I'm so curious as to how they're going to respond on the road against a team like Penn state. So you tell me from a Michigan standpoint, when you look at the Wolverines, what scares you most about their team? Like what 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 matchups do you think
4: uh Michigan has advantages in? I mean, the defense. It's number one in the country analytically, but is that okay, is this an easy test, right? Are you going, are you going to school? Are you going into high school and you're acing an easy test that you don't have to study for? That's how Michigan had it in 2022 as well, because I, I hate to admit it. I was convinced that Penn State was going to go into the big house and surprise them as in, well, they're a little underrated here, so maybe they sneak up on Michigan. No, Michigan was being underrated at the time because, well, they had the schedule, they weren't prepared. Penn State's the best team they faced all season. So it's a similar setup. But now the statistics, the analytics, actually do tell you something different. Penn State, for what it's worth, was in that Ohio State game, and the only reason I think they really lost was because they didn't have a Marvin Harrison Jr., And Ohio State did. Michigan does not have that. Roman Wilson can be covered by Kalen King. Roman Wilson can be covered by Johnny Dixon, DaQuan Hardy, Marvin Harrison Jr. can't be covered by anybody. And it showed with 11 catches, 160 yards, one touchdown. I know, I know the whole thing. But Michigan can't do that because they don't have that. And then to go along with the running game that's down from a year ago, Penn State's run defense held Ohio State to 1.9 yards per carry. They just held Maryland to. Negative 48. <laughs> I know quarterback sacks are factored into that, but come on, the run defense took that 418 from a year ago personally, and look at the 180 that they've done.
1: Zach, what do you think score prediction for this game? And even moving forward, we talked earlier with Stephen Wills of Locked On Ole Miss about outside playoff hopes. Is there still a conversation about playoffs for Penn State? And again, give me a final score for this one.
4: Conversation, yes. This is the chance to... Save the season. Now, how, how is Penn State balancing that? Because when they had the pressure of, oh, this is your mountain, this is the one that's going to be a difference maker for your program, you fumbled, you lost 20 to 12 to Ohio State. But we know what that matchup was when we actually looked at you know, hindsight's 2020. Opportunity to save your season, but the circumstances are different. The matchup's actually more favorable for Penn State. Penn State is at home. Beaver Stadium is the most hostile environment. We're talking about, okay, best offense that Michigan has faced, best defense by far, all, all season up until Ohio State, and then best environment. This is the This is the most hostile environment they're going to face. You're getting two elite defenses. You're getting two teams that do not like each other, that hate each other. So I liken it to an NFL division rivalry, meaning that I'm trending to a lower scoring type of game. I'm going to go Penn State 23-21 here. Call me home or whatever. I'm the host of Locked On Nittany Lions. Yeah. I, I, so I am going to be a little more confident in my team in this case. But now it's not an emotional journey for your young starting right. quarterback into his hometown. It's Beaver Stadium. It's a team that got a much-needed reality check. and And too many fans in State College and Happy Valley sold out on this Penn State team. James Franklin reads the tabloids. He reads the headlines. When you were praising him, it was easy for this team. I felt like they weren't serious going into that Ohio State game. It's now more business like this time around. There's all the distractions from the sign stealing allegations. Apparently, ESPN thinks that Big Ten, the Big Ten conference, is gonna suspend Jim Harbaugh for this Penn State game. And then three other two to three others. It's yeah. just how do you block out that noise when you are being in the national spotlight, the way that Michigan is for better, for worse? It doesn't matter. I think Penn state can get it. They definitely cover and, and official sports book of locked on says 45 and a half. So my total is slightly under there
1: coming up. Kenton Dono will pick that game and more in college football. Zach say locked on Nittany lions. Thank you for joining locked on college football kickoff live. I appreciate you guys.
0: guys. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance, my friends. I love eBay Motors so much, guys. eBay Motors, uh, you could get superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered.
1: All right, guys, let's pick some of the biggest games this week in college football. I I do want to throw a nugget in here for those that are listening live. Still no update on Michigan and where that situation will go, though I think honorable mention for the greatest tweet of all time, because we we do know now that Jim Harbaugh is on the plane. He is going to Happy Valley. Honorable mention, greatest tweet of all time. Jim Harbaugh is racing through the airport. Tony Petiti runs after him, grabs a man in a Michigan hat, turns around, it's not Harbaugh. He's on a different plane. Ah! <laughs> cut cut scene, roll credits. That's, that. That's the level of drama we're seeing from the Michigan situation. Oh. Of course, our fingers on the pulse of that at Locked On and will be over the rest of today and in days to come as we find out what the conference will do in real time for Jim Parbar in the middle of this season at least. And let's keep it right there. 11 a.m. on Fox, Michigan and Penn State. Kenton, who do you lean? Do you side with the home team? 2817, Michigan. Penn State can
3: have as records of an environment as they want. I don't think they're ready for big time football. I just yeah. don't. Yeah. I, I think that every time, you know, you in terms of talking about, oh, this team is their mountain or this team is their hill to climb. I, I just don't think they got their hiking boots on. I think that they're out there um in, in some Nike shoes trying to get it done, and that's just not gonna be successful for you but very seriously i think that michigan is one of the best teams in the nation i think that they have shown consistently that they're not just good they're dominant you can say it's against the weak schedule but we've seen almost everybody have a game or two where they look human against these weak opponents and michigan i mean this is omni-man on our earth it's just destroying everything in its path
1: yeah dono i, I before you go here i'll slip in and completely agree uh, until Michigan loses, they played with an extra fervor because of this scandal. They want to prove that even after they've been found out, even after now, they can't use any signs. They're just as good as advertised. I believe that trend continues. I
0: believe it will as well. Um, as much as I I'd like to think, Hey, maybe the locker room might be rattled by everything that's going on away from football. I think they're going to be supercharged guys. And I agree with what Seiko was saying about a lower scoring game. Michigan's not going to win it the same way they won last year. They're not running for 418 against Penn State this year. It's not happening. Uh, But they do have Michigan, the number one defense in the entire country. I just don't think Drew Aller and Penn State can do enough to keep pace with Michigan. So again, yeah, I think uh, both teams will probably score in the 20s. It's going to be right around that over under. But the Wolverines are just too good. And honestly, this team is so good. One of the most frustrating things about this scandal in the first place is these guys would still be undefeated, I believe, if they hadn't stolen a single sign. Like, I mean, it's just like the, the rich get richer. Like, this is a great – they're not, you know, 9-0 and because they were stealing signs. Maybe, you know, they, they've won some games by an extra touchdown or two because of that. But this, to me, is still best team in the country whether they're doing that or not. That's one of the things that really ticks me off about these allegations.
1: Yeah, we've already talked USC and Oregon, as well as Missouri and Tennessee. Let's take you to the Pac-12 and bring you a big showdown between Utah this week. The Utes, who have been sneaky good some weeks against Washington, who has struggled a bit. I I I say struggled. They're still 9-0, and right? But you've seen some of those chinks in the armor. Kenton, do you think Utah's defense pulls the upset on the road?
3: You know... We talked about how difficult it is to win at Utah. We talk about how great that team is at home and how without Cam Rising, without whatever, they've still figured out ways to get it done. They've still figured out ways to to do what they need to do here. I just, I can't see this one. I'm sorry. I can't see them pulling this one out. Don't get me wrong. I really like Utah. Their defense is amazing. And anybody who knows me knows I love a team that can play some tough defense. However, Penix is, is phenomenal. Uh, to say he's phenomenal is an understatement because of his receiving core on top of who he naturally is. That man had Iowa football, re- I'm sorry, not Iowa, Indiana football relevant. Think about that for a second. That's what this quarterback did. And then they gave him some weapons and they said, all right, we're going to put this Maserati, we're going to take him away from the Volvo's and put him with other Maseratis. And look what happened. Yeah. Look what's happening. I, I just don't think that you're talking keep up.
1: Yeah, Dono.
0: Yeah, Washington's going to win. Uh, this is too important of a game. You know, Pennix has bounced back really nicely the last couple weeks. I know Utah's got a great defense, but Dylan Johnson, Washington's top running back, has also been on a tear. He scored four touchdowns against USC last week. Uh, you know, this is obviously another great opportunity for Penix to put another feather in his cap as the Heisman front frontrunner. Uh, you know, if you can do it against this defense, and I think he's going to have a good game. I just, Washington to me, too good not to win
1: this one. I'm going to go Utah here. I'm going to go Utah with the upset. Utah has dominated the Pac-12 in years past, won that conference the last two seasons. They're not as squarely in that conversation this year, sitting at 4-2. and two. They need a lot to happen. I think it happens this week. We've been talking about how bad that offense is, six points against Oregon. They put up 55 on Arizona State. Now, Arizona State's good, but you finally saw that offense click. Washington gave up 42 to USC. 33 to Stanford. They beat Arizona state 15 to seven in an ugly ball game. At some point to me, something breaks for Washington, especially as good as Oregon's playing over there, the pressure mounts and, and it hits a breaking point for me. I think Utah actually upsets the Washington Huskies in this game. Give me. The Utes, guys. So,
0: so, so you you think the Utes will be taking Sac Lake City on the road with them to Washington I, and uh, maybe get Pennix to the ground a few times?
1: They bring Rice Eccles Stadium to the the Wash to the uh, what is it the, the uh, Marine Layer up in in Seattle, Washington this weekend. Uh, we got a couple minutes left here, guys. I, I want to hone in on the biggest matchup of the week because we I know we've already spent some time on it, but Ole Miss with an opportunity to do what everybody has tried to do for a Georgia team that we all said may not have it offensively for a Georgia team. That's had a couple of games defensively where it brought question marks. They just keep winning college game day, 6. PM ESPN Dono can Ole Miss do what everybody else has tried and failed at.
0: They can, but they won't. Um, I I think, I think Ole Miss is going to cover the spread. Uh, And I know this one's a little bit tighter than most Georgia spreads are, but The Bulldogs are three and six against the spread this year. Obviously, we all know Brock Bowers is nursing an injury. I think he might dress for this game, but I don't think he's going to play much if he does play. Uh, You know, Lane Kiffin is really, really good at making you think that they're, you know, a national title contender and maybe not quite getting over the finish line. So I think Ole Miss is going to play him tough. I think Ole Miss is going to keep this game within within a score probably within seven points. Uh, I just, I, I give the the slightest of edges to Georgia who, you know, it's it's either them or Michigan for a national championship for me. I, I think Georgia's going to stay unbeaten here.
1: Ken, I, I don't think I can give the slightest of edges to Georgia. I, I'll give the whole edge to the dogs this week. I'm now, they've convinced me. I'm now in the camp of, look, it may look ugly some weeks, but no matter what, they just win. And I can't doubt them until that's proven otherwise.
3: In in the words of the great uh, DJ Khaled and, and T-Pain, all they do is win, 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 no matter what. And, and that's, that's a problem. They need to lose this game, but they won't. They need to lose this game to realize like, oh, we're human. We have things we need to work on, but they won't. They will not lose this game because Lane Kiffin, for as exciting as he is, as fun as he is, as the greatest the press clippings are from him and all that good stuff, as great as the tweets are and all that, it's, it's entertaining. It's not of substance. This team is a good team. I think they're a very good team. I don't think that they're at the level of beating a Georgia at this point. However, continuing to win is going to make Georgia's jaw a little soft. It's going to make them a little, little little, more susceptible to a loss in the playoff than they would if they were coming in as a one-loss team that's had to dominate everybody after this.
1: Then do you think that makes Georgia susceptible to a loss to Alabama in the SEC championship? Is that where you see the dogs falling first? Absolutely, that could potentially be a game where they do it, depending on how Alabama plays out the rest of their season.
3: That could potentially be a game where they do it. And um, at the end of the day, I I look at this Georgia team and I say, "There's going to be a sense and a feeling that we're in, no matter what, at Mm -hmm. a certain point, because that's going to be the truth and the reality. If they lose to Alabama in the conference championship game, congratulations, we just got another two SEC team playoff. Woo! But like, they're not going to be out. That feeling, you can try as hard as you want to keep it from eighteen to twenty-two year olds. You're not gonna. There's a lot of things. You try to keep it from 18 to 22, you're out there. Get into it anyway. And that complacency is one of them. So uh, I, I think that this team, while they should lose
1: it, and they need to in order to tighten up, they won't. They'll just keep rolling. The desk loves the dogs. All of us taking Georgia, myself taking them with the spread as well. That is Kenton Gibbs of Locked On ACC and Locked On Wolfpack. That's Alex Stano of Locked On Canes. Drake Toll of Locked On Big 12. Hey. Thank you for what's the little point thing you're doing over there, man. I on that you gave? You, I, no, yeah. you, you normally pointed at us when you say our name. So I was returning <laughs> love.
3: I reciprocate, you know? There you go. You made it through as the Marlboro man today. So oh you my need some love. gosh,
1: okay. man. I've been red. smoking
3: 12 packs since I was <laughs> eight years old. I'm Drake Toad. Hey, some people get lockdown. sick.
1: Some, I, so that, I've been smoking for five years. Is that what you're saying? Since I was yeah. eight years old? Yeah,
3: since you were eight years old, brother. That Thank five you, years you. is a tough five.
1: Thank you guys for making Lockdown College Football Kickoff Live your lunchtime listen every Friday. Look, we'll be back next Friday with. Some Michigan news, hopefully this has been and always will be Locked on college football kickoff live. <clears throat>